This is 950 Feet Behind, a podcast about women standing out and breaking barriers in the business world. This podcast is brought to you by Outbound. Visit outboundsales.io to create your free account today. My name is Leonor, and I'll be your host for the season. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of 950 Feet Behind. Today, I'm here with the founder of Performance Sales and Training, actor and author of Look Me in the Eye, the amazing Julie Hansen. Thank you so much for joining me, Julie. Well, thank you. And thanks for the amazing introduction. <laughs> you have to highlight each other as women, right? That's right. Celebrate each other's accomplishments. Okay. So, Julie, uh, this is my signature first question on every podcast episode. And it is going back to your childhood, right? What is the first thing you remember wanting to be when you grew up? Oh, gosh. I think I wanted to be a, a veterinarian. And I just loved animals and I wanted to help them and hug them and just be around them all the time. So, uh, but as soon as we got dogs and cats and realized all the, <laughs> all the other stuff that goes along with that, um, moved, moved into a different direction, but yeah, probably the earliest was a vet. And then you realize that, you know, they're all not fun and cuddles all the time. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I just, I like them. Yeah. Well, and I also realized, you know, uh, when mostly what a vet does is work with them when they're sick and that's very sad and hard and that's and, a fair point, um, you know, it takes an emotional toll. So that it, it was very sensitive and I just couldn't imagine doing that for a living. So. Uh, so sales tends to be a little less emotionally charged than, than life and death. I agree with that. But then did you immediately consider a career in sales or did acting come first? Uh, when you were like a teenager yeah. or considering college, uh, what was your thoughts at the time? Yeah, gosh, that's, uh, uh, well, I had considered, I wanted to get into business and I, I actually was a marketing major in college and uh, my dad was in sales. And so I, I saw that as a model and, uh, but I really didn't know what that, what that meant, marketing, what kind of positions there would be. And so my first job out of college was as a buyer. So I worked with, you know, salespeople were calling on me to, uh, to uh, place advertising time with them. And and so that was very interesting. And I realized that the, my favorite part of the day was, was dealing with these salespeople. Right. And, and I thought, gosh, they have such interesting careers. They get to meet with, you know, tons of people and, and have lots of different experiences. And I'm sort of stuck here in this office and, and oh, by the way, they, they actually are making more money than me. So <laughs> driving nicer cars, going to lunch. And I, I thought it's, you know, meeting a lot of people. So I thought that was very appealing. And so I moved into sales, uh, which was great, except when you come from the buyer perspective, where everyone calls you back, everyone's happy to hear from you. And suddenly you're the one, you know, making the calls. It was, it was quite shocking to me. So it was a really um, tough transition. And I know my manager at the time told me he didn't think I was going to make it because <laughs> it took me a long time to get that first sale. Uh, I just, I, I didn't have the confidence and to make those calls, to, to follow up with people. And I really struggled. And, and that's actually when I got into acting, 
because I had, I had acted some as a, as a teenager and I loved it in school. And then I sort of dropped it. And when I was struggling with, you know, my confidence and how do I, you know, how do I get up the courage to meet with people and put myself out there and, and be my best? I thought, what's something I can do that's like, just throw myself into the fire to get over this fear. And I thought, well, I used to like acting. I could get on stage and just break through this fear. And so I started acting and it absolutely did help me, oddly enough, find my voice, uh, gain confidence, understand how to do things even when you're fearful, how to put your energy into the moment and how to let things go when they don't go your way. And uh, it also then turned into a career, which I didn't expect, where I did some professional acting for many years and um, also worked in sales. So so that was uh, really a big aha moment. For so me. you were, when you went into sales, right, you found it difficult to deal with probably, well, the rejection and not being called back, like you said. Mm -hmm. uh, how did acting help when acting is, well, one of the careers in which you, you deal with rejection the most, right? You go to 100 auditions oh, before you get one. Right, right. Well, I'll tell you, and I realized because I had moved to New York and before that I'd been Colorado. And so I'd go to auditions and there'd be maybe five, 10 other people there. And you go to New York and you're in a room with a hundred other people, a hundred other women that look slightly different than you, but you know, and we're reading the same lines, right? And so I would sit in those, those green rooms or those waiting rooms and my confidence would just I'd look around and go, oh, she's better. She has more experience. She's prettier. She's taller. And by the time I got in there, you know, I was, I didn't get it because I was just, I couldn't perform, you know, at my best. And so I knew like, until I got mentally right about being, um, being my best, regardless of the competition and not letting that bring me down, I could not get apart. And it was a, a, a journey to really, uh, work on that, my own mental state was so important in that. And of course the craft and, you know, as we do in sales and acting, but also just mentally. And so what I learned from that was how to really understand that, um, you know, you're not, you're not going to win everything and it's not, you can't take everything so personally. And all you can do is be your best and understand. I had a, a friend in acting who said, you know, there's a role for everyone. It's just a matter of, of matching yourself up with the right role. And it's like, well, that wasn't a role for me, you know, and being okay with that and do, but doing your best. And what I took away from that when I went into sales was really valuable because in acting, they are rejecting you for this part. Like it's, it can be very personal because you're doing your best and it's you, it's your body, it's your language, your look. And in sales, you at least can you know, sort of pass it off. I know it's the product, it's the service, it's my company, right? It's not quite as personal. So it really was sort of a crash course in dealing with really personal rejection and learning to just move on, right? And not to let it suck you down into this black hole of like, oh, no, you know, I'm never going to get this. All these people are better than me. And so it was a very um, pivotal moment in, you know, how to uh, work on my own confidence that it doesn't just, you aren't just granted confidence, right? It, 
some of us have to work on it. Maybe some people have it naturally and good for them, but others of us have to have to actually work at that. And I guess that the communication skills, right? The, the ability to put yourself out there um, when you're doing acting, then later on helped you in sales, right? Because it's not just a confidence, it's even your body language, the way you communicate. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, you know, how do we communicate intentionally? Uh, how do we communicate, you know, how we, how we feel? I think in business, a lot of times those things are, are easy to separate. Like we're just, we get into this mode of just pass. So it's enough to pass on information. Well, that's never enough because even in business, we're humans. And it's like, how do you feel about what you're saying? What is your intention? Why are you saying this to this person? The subtext underneath it. And all those things that I learned in acting really um, brought more context and, and meaning and depth uh, to my sales conversations. And so when I started training people and went into my training business, um, I realized that there's a lot of people struggling with that issue. Like, how do we bring that humanity and that connection to the sales conversation and how oddly enough can uh, this craft of acting actually help us uncover some of those uh, ways to connect with people and and communicate at our highest potential yeah, absolutely and was writing or, oh pardon acting um i have some questions about your writing as well later on so my mind was racing um was acting always like a tool for you to get back into sales or did you ever think you'd just be an actor um, all your life? You know, I got into it a little later in, in my career. So I, and I'd had enough, when I finally started acting professionally, I had been selling professionally for a number of years. And so uh, when I moved to New York, I had the luxury of taking a year off just to study acting. And I love the craft of it. I love the psychology of it. And, uh, and so I, I had that, that opportunity, but I realized I don't have, uh, I don't have that driving fire that people have that really, that really will go through anything to be successful. And, and, and there's so many, you know, when you're in a city where there's so much talent and, you, you appreciate that. And there's people that have been working on it since they've been four years old and they're, you know, they can sing, they can dance, they can act. And I, and I just accepted that, you know, I don't have that burning desire. I don't, I'm not willing to live with five other people and wait tables and go through this drill. Um, I just love acting. I love the, the, the learnings from it and, and I can help other people in business with those skills that I, I learned, um, you know, from the craft of acting. And, and so, the, and, and that's been really a wonderful gift that I did not expect because I thought, well, we'll see where it goes. You know, I've got to, it, and it was fun and it was, you know, you know, fascinating, but it's a tough life, right? It's a tough so life. So you managed to just combine both of your passions in the end. Yeah, yeah, which was really a gift. And I didn't see that for a long time. And it took me talking to actually a career counselor. I was I was uh, thinking about what my next sales move would be. And he said, and I wasn't super excited about it because I'd sold for a number of different types of companies and industries. 
And he said, well, you know, you have this, this acting, this creative piece, and then you also have this, this very, you know, um, successful business career and sales. You know, have you thought about combining the two? And I was like, well, I don't know how I would do that. And, you know, he's like, well, you could, you know, just start writing about it and you could, you could teach and what you know. And, and the more I started writing about it, the more I saw those connections, they really started to come together. And out of that, my first book, Act Like a Sales Pro was born, where I really connected all the like, here's, you know, here's some acting skills that are really, really helpful when you are, you know, doing a presentation, when you are cold calling. Um, here's some of the exercises and, and ways that can help you get in the right state or have that conversation. Um, so that really started that journey and changed my business. And that actually is one of the questions I, I have for you. How was the experience of just saying, you know what, I, I have something interesting and important to say. I'm just going to write and publish a book. How was that for you? How did you feel the whole process? Well, it, it was actually, it, it was very interesting. Once I connected the dots, it was you know, I had some questions like, oh, do people really want to know about this? Certainly, you know, my first thought was like, oh, surely somebody's written about this. They've done it. And, you know, I went to the bookstore and there really wasn't anything like it. And, and I started, and the more I started writing and I got published by different magazines and uh, it seemed like doors started to open, you know, and I didn't know how I was going to publish a book, but I got Right away, I got an agent who was interested in working with me and helped me sort of craft the the um, the book so we could sell it to a publisher, and that happened pretty quickly. And I had two publishers interested, and and I started doing some training and speaking to different groups, and and just the feedback really uh, encouraged me and made me realize that people are hungry for these types of skills and. Um, so it made me want to write more and it made me want to create more programs. And so it really, um, you know, the, those doors opened and that was, that was motivating. Yeah, I can, I can definitely understand that. And um, you said that you write to, well, help other people, uh, but you worked in perhaps two of the most competitive uh, businesses, industries in the world. How does one go from having to compete with people to be the best person at sales and then to get roles to saying, you know what, what I have is enough for me and to share. Hmm. So dealing with that competition in, in business where you're competing with others. Um, I, I noticed, or I, I realized in, in sales, a lot of times we, we don't, necessarily acknowledge our competition. And I think that's a mistake. And acting, they're right there in front of you. And you can see that there are 60 other people competing for that role. I think it's easy in, in sales or as an entrepreneur to uh, think that you're, you know, to just be very narrowly focused and think you're having a conversation with a person. So, you know, that's enough. And not realizing that you, you have to use every tool you possibly can to really uh, form a connection to make sure you're presenting your product or service as as effectively as possible communicating in with them in the way that they like to be communicated with all these tools it's not just enough to just show up and kind of do the same thing with every person because 
there is so much competition. So in, in business, it's like we have this invisible competition that is very easy to put out of our minds and think, well, I, I sent them an email or I had a conversation. And so they know me, they, yeah. And they got 50 other emails and conversations happening too. Right. Or they have other business going on. They're not, you know, they've got, this is, you're not the only problem that is on their plate. I, the, problem that you're solving for them, right? They have other, other things going on. So how do we really capture their attention back to this one singular issue that, that we want to help them with and stand out from the rest of the crowd? That is the question. And you think that as still, even though there's that untalked about uh, competition, uh, helping people and training uh, is something that we should do when it doesn't take anything away from us. Because of the reason why I asked this and actually leads me to another part of this question is, well, acting is full of women uh, because movies, theater plays, TV shows, they need women to play women most of the time. Uh, but business is not, and, and definitely sales um, isn't packed with women at all. So I feel like sometimes women have this urge to be competitive between each other and you seem not to have taken it. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting uh, dichotomy. You have to be aware of your competition, but you have to not be, um, you know, angry with them or be uh, defensive about it. And you have to acknowledge that they're there and you have to prepare and then you have to go, okay, sometimes people decide on the competition. It doesn't lessen me. Maybe there's a, there is something I, I need to learn from, from what I, what I presented or what I, the conversations we had that I can improve upon. Um, but again, it's, it's like, there's a role for everyone, right? There's a, um, there's enough to go around. And I think with that mentality, we can be more, you know, generous with, with our peers and with our ourselves. Right. Um, because that's, I think that drive to just be the best and, and be so angry when someone else wins is um, is self defeating ultimately because it doesn't it doesn't bring out the best in us not at all. Right? And speaking of that, uh, well, transition. How did you feel when you got back to the sales and business world? Um, probably, or you you tell me, was there a lot of women in sales and in sales leadership roles? Uh, there was. You know, it, I was in a couple different industries. So I was in um, in advertising and marketing, where and publishing, where there were a lot of women. Right, there were a lot of women, but not at the highest level of the um, you know the sales org. Right, uh, so there were a lot of mid level managers that were females. There were a lot of uh, female salespeople. When I got into um, more technology. It was, of course, very much male-driven, right? A lot of lot of men, and so that was a very different experience. And there were some companies I worked with in in marketing that were had more of a male um, component. So, and they all had their different flavors. Some of it was, you know, some people I would expect, um, you know, going in with the expectation because someone is a woman, it's going to be more easygoing and you're going to get along better is that's not always the case, right? It is, it is 
based on the the person. But there are some um, different cultural things that I think affect people when they are in one gender dominated place of work as opposed to another. And what are those things you feel like? What impacts you when you feel like there's a clear advantage of, well, the opposite sex over yours? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, in, in sales, it was, uh, it was, it had to do with clients too, because the, the men would form these bonds with clients by taking them golfing, right? Or, you know, going to sports games. And so it, it felt like they had an unfair advantage, right? And, and sure, I could have taken golf lessons back then or, you know, but I, I didn't really want to spend a lot of my personal time with, you know, on business, right? And, and that, I, I value that. And, and I think, especially women who have families, that tends to be more true. And, and so I think that can make you feel like you're at a disadvantage because, you know, somebody spends four hours with your client on the golf course. How do you, you know, how do you create a, a relationship with this person um, just in the business environment? And I, th I think one thing about the pandemic with everybody being virtual, it does put us more on an equal footing in terms of, you know, we all have to, you know, be building those relationships virtually. And a lot of salespeople that I've worked with over the past couple of years who really, really depended on those, those, those relationships outside of the business hours are really struggling because they found they don't, they haven't worked on the skills necessarily to, you know, present and connect just on, uh, you know, one-to-one -one or one-to-many on a call and, and without that personal time where they've really been able to bond. So it's, it's caused uh, some disruption in how people are used to selling, you know, and some of us who aren't, uh, you know, that effective or, or haven't sharpened our message and have relied on a lot of personality, a lot of just uh, interaction to carry us, have found that, that that doesn't work as well in a virtual environment. And that actually um, probably had a very good effect for, well, you and your, your book, uh, Look Me in the Eye, and all your work in terms of virtual selling. So how did the pandemic um, affect uh, the way you work, the things you wanted to teach? And did people start thinking, wow, this is actually more relevant after they were put in that scenario? Right, right. Well, I didn't, I mean, I wrote the book after the pandemic. So I, I taught uh, and I teach presentation skills, communication skills, and executive presence. And even when I would talk to people who were communicating with customers or clients remotely, and I would talk to them about, hey, you know, it's a, it's a great practice to turn your camera on so that they can see you and you can form that connection they would be so resistant to it for the most part. There was just not a big, um, you know, understanding of how valuable that could be until we needed it, until that was the only way we had to connect. So when I saw the, the entire business community, the entire world jumping on camera uh, without any of the understanding of how to 
how to talk to the camera, how to connect with people through the camera that I learned as an actor. I thought, oh my gosh, all we're doing is giving all these people the tools, like get, you know, get on Zoom, get on Teams, get a good camera, get lighting. It's like, there is so much more to it. As you and I were talking earlier about, you know, you learn as an, and it just reminded me of when I worked as an actor. And like most actors, you start out on stage, right? And, and you have a live audience. And so it's much like live sales and business, right? You get a feed off people's interaction. You can see exactly how they feel about what you said. Um, they give you feedback, they answer questions, and they give you energy. Well, then you get in front of a camera, you can't see them, you don't know what kind of feedback you're getting, um, you don't know where to look, how to, how to act, what to do with your hands, and, <laughs> it's, uh, and nobody feels connected, right? So I learned as an actor that um, you know, you have to take classes to actually understand how to connect um, in a way that works on camera. It's not, I mean, na actors aren't naturally good at it. It's a skill. It's a learned skill. And so my book was about, okay, here, you know, you guys don't have to figure this out. Like everybody's trying to figure it out themselves. It's like, there's an entire industry that has been working on this for decades. Like turn on your TV, right? Watch a movie. It's like these people know how to connect to a camera and how to be authentic and natural and, and impactful. But it doesn't happen just by magic or trial and error. So that really was my effort to help people kind of take the mystery out of how do you look at the camera and actually see someone there? How do you read body language if you're looking at the camera? How do you, what do you do with your hands? All these things that we are, we're suddenly confronted with and so that's, and that's been a, a big need. And so that's really where my, my business has gone to follow that need, because that is the way, the predominant way that, that many people in business communicate now and will continue to communicate, even though there's more live interaction being thrown in, um, the, the genie's not going back in the bottle, right? And people have found this to be very efficient uh, it can be effective if you do it well. We're not working, we're not living up to our highest potential on camera right now, most people. Uh, and the, the bar continues to, to raise. So people need to get better because those around you are getting better. And, and again, we have to stand out from our competition. And this is a real differentiator to be, to be effective on camera. So apart from your um, book, um, which obviously will have all the tips and tricks and, and unmerge of the industry that's been doing this for decades uh, with the business world. Right. What would you say is like the most important thing you can do while virtual selling or while having any virtual relationship? The biggest thing really goes to the name of the book, Look Me in the Eye. And, and that is uh, the camera is your audience's eyes. It's your customer's eyes. And, and people just give that lip service, but they don't really put the work in necessary to understand how to look at the camera in a natural way. And if you're looking at the camera, then I need to learn how to read body language and when to look away from the camera and all those, all those tactics that, that, that support you in looking at the camera. Uh, but if you think about it, eye contact is so powerful. We are, you know, it is, it is embedded in our DNA that when people make eye contact with you, we feel like they, 
they are interested in us. They're they're listening, right? That's how we know when someone is listening. If you were sitting across from me and your head was down, I'd be like, um, gee, I don't think she's paying attention, right? And yet we see that all the time on video calls and people think it doesn't matter. Well, it matters because it is hardwired in our brains. Like that means attention. That means um, eye contact means uh, confidence. It shows confidence. It, sh it shows that we're credible. We are more likely to trust people that make direct eye contact with us. Uh, we, we assume they are confident. Uh, we have all these negative associations with either shifty eyes or looking down, right? It's lack of confidence. Mm -hmm. It's I'm not telling you the truth. Uh, I'm not listening. So it seems like a small thing and uh, it's, it's, it, it's small, but it's not easy to do. I don't want to discount that. But it's so necessary. It is absolutely vital to build those relationships um, because you can you no you can say all the right words, but if you're saying them and I don't feel, you know, my gut is saying I don't know. I don't. There's something about her I don't really trust, or I don't doesn't seem to believe what she's saying. Uh, if your body language is incongruent with what you're saying, you are you know, basically shooting yourself in the foot. And you were saying that, um, I, I read that I think either on your website or your LinkedIn profile, now I can't remember, but that a customer says, oh, if I'm not looking at the camera, it's because I'm looking at the customer's image um, on the camera. Um, and they'll, they'll know that, right. they'll assume that. Um, I think that's something most of us actually think, but it's, if I'm writing notes on a call head down, uh, how do they know if I'm writing notes or my grocery lists or just drawing things? <laughs> right, right, right. I think we tell ourselves that excuse. We're like, oh, well, they understand that I'm looking at their image. Well, is it really, is our customer really going to go to the trouble of making excuses for us, right? No, they're not going to think that. All they're going to know is it's going to, it's going to create a feeling, right? They're not going to start justifying your behavior for you. And I think we're, we're asking a lot of people to do that, right? Um, so I would say, you know, we don't have this shared context with, that we have when we're in person. So like, if you are looking down, I don't know what you're doing. Like you said, you could be writing notes, you could be petting your dog. I don't know. Um, so there are things that you can do, which you can say, hey, I want to, I, that's really important. I want to make sure I get this down. So let me write that down, right? But for the most part, we want to be connected. We want to be available for them to connect with us through the camera. And um, again, that's a learned skill. And it's a very important learned skill uh, that that people are sort of dismissing the, the power of, but it, it makes a lot of sense if you look at the research and just notice how you feel when someone is uh, not looking at you when you're speaking. If I was pouring my heart out to you and you were looking down, I'd, I'd be offended. All right. And yet we we do that all the time on these meetings. So you can really stand out and really, there's an advantage here for people that, that grab onto these, these uh, changes that we need to make and really use them because you, you can be so much better than your competition. And there's rarely been times in our history that there's such a huge advantage by people that change their skill set. And this is one of those. So I, I encourage people to use it because, again, a lot of competition out there. Absolutely. Um, so we're actually uh, over time already, but I do have one last question for sure. you. 
um, which is you were talking to me before we started recording about uh, the world changing, uh, unfortunately, in the US and uh, not for the best. You've been in uh, industries surrounded by women. You've been in industries in which there weren't many. What do you think um, the future will look like uh, for women in the workplace? And what do you think are the things you still need to well, fight for and try to change? Right. Wow. It's a very interesting time to ask that question with what's going on in the in the U.S. Uh, Supreme Court and world. Uh, I would say that I, I have been happy to see women get more organized and to start supporting each other because I think there was a lot of internal competition that was um, not to our advantage. Uh, we've seen more women leaders rise up in in. Uh, industries like technology, which is great. Not not enough, but they're, they are making inroads and there's more women salespeople in those industries, which means they have an opportunity to, to rise up. What, I've, what has been really helpful in my career is finding those groups of women that support each other. Um, one of the most pivotal moments in my career um, was when I met a group of women sales authors and trainers and, and business owners. And we, we formed a group and we, we share with each other what's working, what isn't working, what are, what are we confronted with? And we realized we came together because when I first wrote that book, I was, uh, there were of the top hundred sales books, only I think three of them were by women. This was, uh, gosh, 12 years ago. Not that long ago. Not alone. No, no, not at all. No. And so one of the women on that list, we'd had several books out at the time, and I'll just I'll just name her, Jill Conrath, who is a very well-known sales author, um, reached out to me and said, hey, if you want to connect sometime and talk about, you know, uh, <laughs> how we can get more women on this list. And, and, and uh, so I became part of this group and we realized like the, the men for so long had their own kind of group, right? And they supported each other. And so we had to do the same. And so I see that popping up in a number of, you know, uh, industries and companies. And, and so I think that that is, that is a really important path to continue. And, and so I have hope for the future um, that, that we are, we are, we have, forged a path. And I think we just have to, as, as we've seen with the Supreme court and the decision here in the U S um, about abortion rights, you can't ever take those things for granted. Right. And so we have to continue to support each other and, and make sure we have a voice in, you know, at the, at the table where the decisions are made um, because that's where that's affects everybody on down the line. Yes, definitely. And never taking progress for granted, I guess, right, right. Um, is one of my mottos as well. And I think uh, there's no better way uh, to close this episode than to well, urge women to support each other, to find their own support group and to find a voice and then then use it. Because finding it is right. not enough. And, and I think and I will say, though, you know, the, uh, oftentimes we think it's, oh, who wants to hear from me itself? It's just like people need to hear your voice add your voice um, b because it's important. It's not about you. It's, it's important for you to be out there. Yes, 100%. Well, 
thank you so much for joining me once again. Uh, it was a brilliant conversation that unfortunately is ending too soon. I know. Um, as for our listeners, uh, we'll be back next week with the owner of Engage Selling and author of Right on the Money, Colleen Francis. We'll see you then.